just it was this moment of of clarity and i won't i won't call it guilt but i will call it reckoning to be able to say i in my mind i was portraying to my adult peers competence and intellect and perseverance and tenacity and scholarship but to my daughter who didn't care about any of those things i was telegraphing stress um mopiness uh intimidation insecurity and all all of these other things the only picture that she saw was a dad whose head was buried in a book who was constantly grasping for a brass ring that she could not define and quite frankly didn't care about. Welcome to Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh, a podcast built around conversations with people in our community who have found a bit of enlightenment in their lives. While these moments we'll be speaking about today may not seem life-changing, I think that the conversation will reveal how these moments have shaped the way my guest sees the world. It's an informal conversation with insights from Jewish tradition, and it may just as well change your life. And if not, it's just 18 minutes with me. So l'chaim, to life. Today on our show, we are so excited to welcome my dear friend, Reverend Steve Norman, who is a speaker and a writer in residence at Winning at Home, which is a faith-based coaching and counseling organization out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Steve, welcome to the show. Rabbi Josh, thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. So Pastor or Reverend Norman or Steve, as I call him, and I have known each other for many years from the days when he was here in the Detroit area and was one of the leadership team at a church in Troy, Michigan. And uh, we got to know each other through our mutual work in the faith community. But today I have the wonderful opportunity to share my friend with all of you as he helps us learn from a story that changed his life with regard to parenting his daughter. So Steve, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh. Um, you and I have had a chance to kind of watch one another parent from from afar uh, via, via many many a shared afternoon at the uh, at the turf fields at Ultimate uh, Soccer over there in Pontiac. And uh, we've got Kelly and I have been married for almost twenty years. We've got four children: Grace is sixteen, Naomi is fourteen, Josiah is twelve, and Miriam is ten. And about, oh shoot, eight years ago now, I was wrapping up my doctoral studies at a, at a graduate school out in California, and, and I was doing it via distance, so I was trying to figure out how to be a husband, how to be a dad, how to be a, how to be a graduate student, how to be a, like a functioning member of society, and all those plates were spinning at the same time, and for the life of me, I, I could, was just barely holding the whole thing together with like, you know, chewing gum and scotch tape. And I finally, I finally crossed the line and got my doctorate. And in my mind, Josh, I'm like, well, this is it. All of, all of the pieces are going to fall together now. Like I, I have this milestone. I have this piece of paper. I have these letters that I can throw up after my name. And, and so now all of my insecurities are going to fade away and all of my professional dreams are going to come true. And everything is just going to, it's just going to fall perfectly into place. And I will never forget the congratulations card that my daughter grace who would have been almost 10 at the time gave me she goes dad now that you're done with your doctorate 
You can look less like this. And she drew a picture of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. And if you don't know anything about Winnie the Pooh stories, like Eeyore is a constant downer. Like he doesn't have anything good to say about anything. Like a cloud follows him everywhere he goes. And uh, she, she said, Dad, you can be less like this. She drew a picture of Eeyore. And she goes, and you could look more like this. And she drew a picture of Tigger, who is the, the counterpart, the antithesis, the guy who's like always bubbly, always bouncy, always excited about everything. And Josh, I kid you not, like this wave of horror washed over me because I went, oh, no. <laughs> like, this is how my precious, oldest, curly-haired, wide-eyed daughter has seen me maybe not perpetually, but least in part for the last five years. And it was just, it was this moment of, of clarity. And I won't, I won't call it guilt, but I will call it reckoning to be able to say, I, in my mind, I was portraying to my adult peers um, competence and intellect and perseverance and tenacity and scholarship. But to my daughter, who didn't care about any of those things, I was telegraphing stress, um, mopiness, uh, intimidation, insecurity, and all, all of these other things. The only picture that she saw was a dad whose head was buried in a book who was constantly grasping for a brass ring that she could not define and, quite frankly, didn't care about. And the honesty in that moment is powerful and transformative, I assume. So what was your reaction? What what happened next? Yeah, so I think that I just had a, I, I had a, I laughed. I, I cried a little bit on the inside. And I, I, I gave her a hug. I tried to I tried to receive the gift um, that she had intended in that moment, right? I didn't I didn't try to spin into an existential crisis when all she was trying to give me was like a hug and a congratulations, you know. So we we had cake. We celebrated that moment, um, and I just tried to pull her aside and hug her and thank you for her support. That again, she couldn't fully appreciate both direct and indirect for getting me across that finish line. But but Josh, it reminded me of of something that I would learn again later as a parent on the sideline of, of a soccer field. Um, I remember telling a dad when we were being like physically threatened by a dad on the other side of the pitch and, and, and both of us were, 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 were struggling to, to maintain our sense of cool. And I remember telling this other father, I go, hey, whether we like it or not, we are always parenting. We are always parenting, whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously. Like if we think that there is any part of our life that our children, whether they are 2, 12, or 25, aren't watching, um, we're deluded. And there's so much research out there about imprinting in those earliest years of parenting. But what you're saying, in effect, is that the imprint that we leave on our children doesn't end just in those earliest months or years as we raise them. They're watching us, they're seeing us, and I think mirroring back to us messages so that they then imprint on us. So, so my question for you is, what is the imprint that your daughter and that experience have left on you that lingers, that you, that you carry now? What, what's the message that you would share from that moment? Yeah, I think the I think the message to me and and Josh, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I need to be reminded of this again today. It's a, it's a lesson I can forget all too quickly. Is that it, at the end of the day, the only thing that really does matter is our relationships. 
like all all of the achievements all of the accolades all of the wealth all the trinkets that we can accumulate like at the end of the day none of them hold none of them hold a candle to the relationships uh, and the health of those relationships that we have especially with our our nearest and dearest circle which which is our family but also with our peers and our friends and our fellow worshipers and it is it is very easy to lose sight of that and covid's compounded that in some ways because we haven't had access either to the achievements or to the relationships and it's been a good it's been a good refining moment for me it's been a good distilling season to come back to those core elements and say yep the the relationships matter and and there's there's a verse uh, there's a quote in our tradition that says you could you know be, be careful of the mindset that allows you to think that you can gain the whole world and forfeit your soul and i guess i guess the parallel the corollary for me is like what what if what if i gain the whole world financially personally professionally and yet and yet forfeit a, a trusting and honest and joy nurturing relationship with with my precious children would that have been worth it and the answer is a, a thousand times no so you open the door a little bit and although i'm a rabbi you're a pastor and uh, this is a jewish podcast connected sure. to number 18 or chai but i want to know let's dive into it let's let's really go head on what sure. does your faith tradition say? What would Jesus say to you as a leader of Christians about this subject matter? What's the real message from Christian faith? It's great. We were just talking about this as a, as a family last night. Um, Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think the things that we love about children is that, is that they're, they're unassuming. They're filled with innocence and they're filled with wonder. It's not until we get later in life where our, our insecurities and maybe our greed or our own woundedness gets the better of us. And we, and, and, and we, whether we're doing it on purpose or on accident, spend a lot of our time and energy self-promoting and self-protecting. Children who are too young to have been kind of beaten up by life, they're not, they're not self-protecting. They come into every moment, as, as Brene Brown says, wholehearted like they haven't they haven't been eaten or bitten by the shame monster just yet and so they they come with with wonder and joy and glee and and openness and confidence and humanity into every moment and jesus goes that's what i want for you i want i want you for you to come into all of your days with wonder all of your days with trust all of your days with hope and, and if you get too much in your own head or you get too devoted to building your own empire or your own brand you you will miss out on the gifts that i'm trying to give you in in this moment and again i, I, I it's no accident that we're having this conversation because we we're just just having this this exact moment uh over dinner as a family last night well, and isn't it the same uh, that our shared tradition from the prophetic voice says, the old shall dream dreams, the youth shall see visions, right? There, there is something about the, the, the wisdom of age that gets mixed in with the innocence of youth and, and the ability to dream out of moments of challenge that I think drives us. I, I've been thinking about it a lot and we've been talking about it in terms of the silver linings of the pandemic, right? The, sure. the, we, we talk about what's missing in our kids' lives. We talk about everything that has been hurt and taken away from us. And yet there is something innocent about watching children who are simply living it and moving forward. Right and understanding right. that relationships matter. Uh, one of the things I did during the pandemic was take the course 
called The Science of Well-Being from Yale University, a uh, free course offered by Professor Lori Santos. She talks about happiness. And one of the great takeaways is that it is not things that make us happy, right? We think they're going to make us happy, that new car, that new um, piece of clothing, but ultimately it is relationships and experiences with other people that I think make the real difference in your life. So go back, you've now had several years since that 10 year old moment with your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Can you name an experience that has that changed for you? Like, how, how are you dealing with your kids, your wife, your even your your friends differently now because of that moment? Yeah, I think that I think that it's trying to draw. And I'm glad that you're using the verbiage of moment, but at the risk of sounding trite, it's it's being able to be fully present in that moment because that moment is all we have. And I think that sometimes we go to our scheming and our planning and our five-year plan and our 10-year plan and our retirement plan and the college plan and all the plans, the plans, the plans. And we forget that in the, in the language of Ecclesiastes that th there's a time to plan, but there's also a time to step back from the plan. Uh, there's a time to save and there's a time to spend. Uh, you know, you know the passage upside down and backwards. And I think that for me, the, the gift that God has given me is the moments that we have with our kids while we have them, because those moments are numbered, are, are numbers that are moments that we should relish in and be fully present towards. I remember um, a, a deep friend and mentor said that one of the things, one of the challenges of technology is that, that parents who um, are constantly scrolling through their phones she said this, she goes, partial attention communicates partial value. Hmm. And I think that one of the things that, that I've learned since then is that if I'm listening to my kid with one ear, it's very easy for them to, to view that as listening with no ears. And I, I've had, you know, probably more moments than I want to admit where my kids have asked me a question and I've been looking at sports scores or checking emails and I didn't hear them. I'm like, hey, can you repeat that? And, and some of them have actually gotten to the point where they're like, no, I can't and I won't. Like I, that, the, win the window's closed, you lost it. And I think this is the real challenge of this world of technology and what's happening next. We have to find, and you, you used the term reckoning earlier. We have to have a reckoning moment with how we address information. I think education has to change in the way we, we understand that, that kids have access to everything. We have access to everything in the palm of our hand. I want to return, though, for a moment to Ecclesiastes, because you mentioned that it's one of my favorite passages. And one of the pieces of that passage that has resonated with me over the last couple of months is the line that says there's a time for embracing others and a time for being alone. Yeah. We have it, we've experienced that that aloneness. And I believe that we are creatures of connection. And that yeah. we need to return to embracing others. And I don't mean that in, a, in an anti-mask wearing way. I, sure, I mean that sure. in, a, in, a, in a spiritual reclaiming of real relationships, speaking to people, being with people, as you said, engaging head on. Um, and even though this is wonderful to be with you by, by, by virtual reality here, I want to be in your space. I want to learn with you. I want to connect to you as a human being. There's so much more that we can see if we really connect with people head on. Yeah. And again, maybe I think that in 
in a month or in a decade, we'll look back and say the pandemic was a gift because it, it, it stripped away all of this. It stripped away all the scaffolding. There wasn't sports events. There was to watch. There wasn't sports events to attend. There weren't sports events to play. There weren't there weren't concerts. There weren't there was there wasn't anything. And so we actually had to say, like, am I am I going to self-medicate and just what, you know, stream whatever? Or am I going to am I going to take an internal look and say, all right, God, in some weird way this season, though, though none of us would have chosen it as a gift. What what do you want me to receive from it? What do I need to learn about you? What do I need to learn about myself? And how do I become more fully engaged with the, the people that you put in my sphere? Absolutely. Let me ask you, uh, earlier in uh, your career, you spent time engaging as a pastor in a congregational setting. Yeah. Are, are things different for you now that you're working in more of a coaching, speaking, writing place? Do you feel a disconnect from people because of that? I. I do and I don't, Josh. I think that because I still get to preach and teach at churches on a regular basis, I still do have, am able to have conversations with people. Either you know, they'll ask me questions online or they'll engage me immediately during the service. Uh, one example is I was preaching at a church in Wisconsin and they, they stream their services on a tape delay to a local correctional facility. Hmm. So I got I got a letter from an inmate who said, hey, I heard you speak. I've got some questions about these things. And we, we haven't been super regular, but we, we have gone back and forth a few times. In fact, I, I probably owe him another letter tomorrow. But in some ways, I'm getting because I'm getting have a freedom to go outside of the lim the geographical limits of one particular congregation. I'm, I'm getting exposed to a lot of different people. Now, I don't get to go go deep with people, but I do get to go wide. And so in some ways, I, I'm very grateful for the variety. Um, I think that every time I visit a new place, I, I get stretched. I learn something from the, the fiber of that congregation. And I've been in geographic and different states and different socioeconomic environments that, that are always, always stretching for me to be able to say there are people who live in a part of the world that I don't live in and won't always understand, but it's good for me to break bread with them. It's good for me to be in their space. It, I feel like it's stretching my sense of um, humility, my appetite to learn, and then also my capacity for empathy, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the joke is that you you are an expert if you come from the next town over. So <laughs> uh, you get to be an expert in all these places as the stranger coming to preach on a, on a Sunday morning. So hey, I think a, cool. a prophet has no honor in his own land, right? <laughs> That's so. exactly right. Well, I will say to you that you are always welcome on the east side of the state and you are always welcome to be my teacher. You, uh, I, I feel lucky to have you as one of my friends. We're, we're drawing towards the end of our conversation here. And a question that I've been asking everybody having nothing to do with our conversation thus far is, is there something that you're reading or something you're watching on Netflix right now that has given you some insight that's changed the way you're seeing the world? Uh, I just like I came across 20 minutes of a show the other week, uh, Couples Therapy on Showtime, and um, I want to watch it. Kelly's not as enamored. She's like, these people are annoying. But it, for me, I love now, now that I'm a part of an organization that, that does marital counseling and, and is committed to helping people do mental health. I think it's fascinating to watch. Uh, other couples process their issues because it reminds us how universal some of those struggles really are. I think that sometimes the greatest lie that many of us believe is that whether it's in our marriage or whether it's in our spiritual journey or whether it's our own psychological well-being, that our temptations or our our shames or our challenges are uniquely ours. When, when in fact, um, we're, we're not alone. 
uh, there are many other people who are on the other side of the wall or the other side of the hall or the other side of the street who are going through challenges that that are very similar that there are there are a few issues that are that are universal to the core of all humanity and when we know that we're not alone it gives us maybe courage to reveal our need and our vulnerability and it gives us a sense of solidarity that there are other people who have walked this path um i i can receive help and wisdom from them and if there are people who are two or four or nine steps behind me maybe i can offer a helping hand to them yeah, I, I will tell you, if you haven't watched it all, it's worth watching the entire miniseries, although it is, okay. it's a bit unsettling at times as you okay. listen to these other, you feel like you're sort of in a place you're not really supposed to be listening. Uh, that's strange. I will recommend to you a book that I was just, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard also, there's a book called uh, You Should Really Talk to Someone, also okay. about that idea that it's okay to, to speak to somebody, it's okay to get some help, and uh, know that there are powerful resources out there in the world, whether it's your pastor, your rabbi, your imam, or simply a counselor that you speak to. So I, I think that's a, a message that needs to be heard, especially in these challenging times. Well, I am just so glad you've been with me today. So glad to offer a little bit of your insight to the, to the world of the Jewish community. And uh, I'm hopeful that maybe some of your community members will also see you and, and connect to the messaging that we're sharing. Um, I, I feel lucky. I feel lucky to have you in my life. I feel lucky to be able to present this podcast with insightful moments from members of our community. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of you next time as you join us in the next episode of Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh. Until then, L'chaim. L'chaim.